Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. Well, we're, we're going to talk again to a, an author by the name of Sam Canonis. He was on our show a few weeks ago after writing an article for LA Magazine, but he, he is, uh, this is all coming out of a book that he wrote called The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. And he came to our attention again this week when he did an interview with uh, New York Magazine, they were intelligencer. And in that interview, he talked about this potent meth that's now out there impacting clearly the homeless problem and, of course, the newer scourge of fentanyl. So let's get Sam Canones on. Sam, how are you? Uh, very well, guys. How about you? Uh, we're doing great. I, I got to tell you, uh, I was when I read your interview in New York Magazine, and there's, it was like an epiphany moment for me. What you wrote mm-hmm. suddenly explained what I'd been seeing with my own eyes for the last five years. And it's right. all these crazed zombies stumbling around and impervious to all offers of help, which no one could understand and many people in power would not accept. And then when you wrote about how the meth and the fentanyl destroy their instinct for self-preservation – 
it was the moments like, yes, that's what it is. That's why you're seeing things you never saw before. The instinct for self-preservation is gone. Talk about how you came to that conclusion. Well, I mean, I was writing the book, The Least of Us, as y'all just mentioned. Um, I began to see that we were in the era of synthetic drugs, now plant-based drugs kind of being passe, particularly because the Mexican trafficking world understands that there is now really all kinds of benefits and very little downside to producing, making their own drugs from chemicals, no, no plants involved. Because of that, they're able to make drugs that are now um, more prevalent, plentiful than ever we've ever seen. This is a historic moment. We have seen traf- the trafficking world in Mexico, one source, cover the entire country with not just one drug, which would be unprecedented, but, but two. So you find fentanyl and meth nationwide. You find it up in New England. You find it in L.A. You find it uh, really, really everywhere you go. And that these drugs do quite effective, masterfully, I would say, um, what all drugs of abuse do to some degree, just these guys, these drugs do it more, more completely, and that is destroy our instincts for survival. I first saw this when I was a kid. Um, I'm from Southern California, but we were living in the Bronx, and we uh, found ourselves, my dad and I were walking along, we found ourselves in the Bowery. Back when the Bowery was not some gentrified hipster heaven, it was the real Bowery with people living in trash and, and uh, slaves to alcohol. Um, so I saw that then, and I, you know, it's one of those things you can you continue to see. Cocaine does the same thing, but what what really separates these two drugs from the others is simply the supplies are so so massive. There's there's these drugs, fentanyl and meth, are everywhere, and they are so p- devastatingly potent, and that is really the difference. And so they have done that. They have done, as you said, they they have. Uh, they have uh, thwarted, squelched, muffled, whatever the term is you like to use, basic instincts for survival. So people living in tents, pimped out, feces, even in areas where the temperatures are turning, going to be turning lethal, will, will not, you know, uh, uh, accept, accept help because they are imprisoned. They are slaves to to, to, to the dope. And it's a remarkable thing. You hear this over and over again. You hear this from uh, homeless outreach workers. You hear this from ER docs. People uh, come in and with frostbite, even losing digits, though they, they, they could easily have been in a warming shelter and they, they're losing digits in colder part of the country, colder parts of the country, people freezing uh, to death, this kind of thing. But you're seeing it daily in tent encampments, I think, um, uh, in many, many parts of the country. Um- Meth used to be 50% meth and 50% other stuff. Now it's 99% pure. Correct. And that has to do with the way that they make it now. Um, The way they they had to change about uh, 12, 14 years ago, Mexican government put put a kibosh on importations of the chemical they were using to make methamphetamine, which is ephedrine which is found in Sudafed, it's in the decongestant, all that kind of stuff. They really cut back dramatically on the amount that they allowed to be imported. So the trafficking world in Mexico, which had grown up around methamphetamine and saw enormous profits from making their own drugs and, and not having to plant anything, had to shift. And they shifted to a new method that isn't as easy to make, but it does have one benefit, and that is you can make this precursor chemical known as P2P, phenyl-2-propanone. You can make it with many different combinations of chemicals. And these chemicals are widely available. They're industrial chemicals. They're legal. 
they're widely available, they're toxic, and but that means the government cannot crack down the way it did on ephedrine. You, they crack down on this way of making P2P, they, you shift to another or to another. And, and the truth is that they have control over the shipping ports, particularly on the western side of Mexico, so they can get any combinations of these chemicals they want. This allowed them to do two things. The first thing I understood from the beginning when I was writing my book, and that was produce such enormous quantities that they've now, as I said, covered the country uh, in areas where you never saw a, Mex- a Mexican methamphetamine before in the Midwest and nor- in New England, et cetera. Um, all over the country, you're finding this stuff now. And that's just a-, a testament to how much they're able to make. But along the way, as I was doing the least of us, I came to understand that there was another story and that along with the prevalence and the, the, the huge quantities, was, this meth was also creating symptoms of schizophrenia, very intense paranoia, delusions, hallucinations. Very quickly, people lose absolute control of their lives. They can't live with anybody up there, there, else. They're, they're up all night. Very quickly, they're homeless. And then very quickly, they're in tents because tents are the perfect place if you are believe the entire world is out to get you you're so paranoid on this stuff the tent is like this nice little cocoon this nice little pod um and as one guy told me uh, he said um the last place you want to be when you're on this mess is in a homeless shelter because you're surrounded by people you don't know everyone's a threat everyone's you're paranoid beyond words and so what we've seen is the rise in homelessness mental illness has really kind of accompanied this meth as it is marched in these staggering quantities all across the country, beginning really in about 2011, 12, 13 in the Midwest. It arrived about 2017, 18, up into New England by 2019. And, um, and, and, and so that was really the, the, the startling uh, uh, reporting that I was doing. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And, but it truthfully, you talk to people who are in all these different parts of the country, and it's almost like they're telling the same story of people very quickly descending into mental illness, paranoia, inability to manage their lives, intense or on the street, screaming at demons they don't, and, and bicycles, hoarding bicycle parts and all that kind of stuff. It, it was a remarkable uh, reporting experience because I kept hearing the same stories over and over and over. Right. Sam, doesn't this make the case for a conservatorship then, that we have to do something because these people no and longer I think have these I think that's why you were seeing cities begin to do that. You saw the city of New York, mayor of New York, beginning to do that. It, 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 it defies, well, I would say this, let me say this, that uh, that's a policy uh, uh, prescription that cities and counties and states can argue about and people can debate. I would say this, it does not seem reasonable to assume that people on the street, in the conditions, addicted to meth, using fentanyl too. I mean, this is, this is, there's no one drug people are using. It's a kind of a polypharmacy out there. That there is, there is no chance that many of those people will ever find, quote unquote, the readiness for treatment to say, yes, I want to come in and stay. A lot of people come in and then they, three days later, they run back out. Um, there's no chance that they will have the time to develop the readiness for treatment while they're on the street before meth, this meth, now so prevalent, so cheap, drives them mad or and fen- then fentanyl kills them. All right, All right hang on, Sam. Hang on. Because I want to talk about fentanyl, too, because something else was remarkable in this interview. Uh, Sam Canonis is our guest. He's an author of the book, uh, The Least of Us, 
True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. More coming up. John and Ken Show, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Our guest is Sam Canonis, the book The Least of Us about the effects of drugs, particularly meth, which we talked about in the last segment, especially its uh, effect on the homeless population and they're, they're losing their instinct, instinct for self-preservation. Uh, Sam, I wanted to ask you about another part of the interview that you did with New York Magazine and a paragraph that really just stunned me and moving now over to the newer drug, fentanyl. You said there's a saying on the street that I've heard it from several people that there is no such thing as a long-term street fentanyl user like there was with heroin. There are people who use heroin for 30 to 40 years, but with fentanyl, everybody dies. There may be people using it who function in societies to some degree, but eventually everybody dies. Well, that's that's a pretty tragic. It's it's has to do though with the fact that in order to sell fentanyl, you have to mix it, and that people on the street, even traffickers in Mexico who have then gotten much better at mixing it, still are are uh, far from perfect. Um, fentanyl is so potent that a few, the equivalent of a few grains of fentanyl, a few grains of like salt, say, would make you high, and a couple more would kill you. And so you can't sell a few grains on the street. So you have to mix it with something else. And the problem is that the mix is always bad. You never know what the mix is. Even if you have a high tolerance, you're never quite sure. And the drug is so potent that, that frequently that's, that this is what happens. The guy who first told me that there's no such thing as a long-term fentanyl user is himself uh, dead from a, a fentanyl fentanyl overdose and 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 that is really the case again it's 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 and the fact is too that we're seeing now fentanyl because it's so cheap and so potent it's being used now to to um bump or boost up um other other drugs uh cocaine and and methamphetamine and to some degree we're seeing now examples of it being dusted into uh, onto marijuana uh, as well and of course you're seeing fentanyl uh in all these uh, counterfeit pills that are coming in from Mexico that first look like oxycodone, generic 30 milligram press blues, but now, and, and Percocets and Xanax bars, and now have many colors. But all of this, I want to stress, it seems to me very clearly from my reporting, this is all a function of the enormous supplies that they're able to produce uh, 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 down in Mexico. And again, fentanyl and meth are both now uh, nationwide. I was talking with a guy in, in Maine who's now in recovery. But he's, he's, he's a heroin addict in Maine, and all of a sudden fentanyl was it, and you couldn't find any heroin at all. We are, we are probably about a year or two away from seeing, like, no heroin at all, real heroin at all on the streets of America. We're almost, we're almost there. It's just been outcompeted by fentanyl. It, it seems like the death toll has a potential to explode. It's possible. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not seeing, well, fentanyl is out there. I don't like to predict the future, particularly now when it's uh, horrifying news like this. But, you know, there's the, 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 the amounts of fentanyl just simply increased. You're finding it in more parts of the country, pretty much everywhere in, in the country, I would say, just with, with some exceptions, I guess. Um, Baltimore, an amazing story. I think Baltimore has been a heroin town since the 60s. But the tests that they're doing on, on people who overdose now are, you know, 85 percent, 90 percent, maybe upwards of 85 percent. Uh, or, or on fentanyl, there's really kind of no more heroin in uh, in in Baltimore, where they, where they made the the, the great show, the, the Wire, several years ago. Um, the, you're, you're seeing this all over. 
The ingredients for fentanyl and meth, are they coming from China primarily? China. Yes, but you know, yeah, right, exactly. But but the truth is, you know, if you control the shipping ports, and there are two of them on the western side of Mexico that are the principal ones, although the, 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 um, the airport in Mexico City is a, is a big player in this too. But uh, south of Arizona, about two-day drive, you reach these two very, very large ports through which all this stuff comes. All kinds of retail, consumer items, et cetera, et cetera, things that are used in manufacturing, other larger things, car parts, et cetera, whatever. But you get there a lot of chemicals. And, and so all of that's coming. Well, a lot of it is coming from China, although my, my sources in the DEA tell me that there's uh, India is now becoming a little bit of a bigger player. But the truth is it, it could be other countries as well. So, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be just China or, or, or it, it, India. It just happens to be more convenient. Have you heard of stuff that's coming into uh, Long Beach and San Pedro? My understanding is that there, that, that there are, um, not per se, but, but the pills, what I, what I have heard is that, um, and seen uh, in reports from, from the border, is that the pills now are coming in in, in quantities that simply I mean, they boggle my mind. I, I just stunned sometimes to see the, the seizures. Remember, in 2017 in San Diego, there was the first seizure of Mexican trafficked pills uh, that contain only fentanyl, counterfeit pills that contain only fentanyl in San Diego, 12,000 pills. Okay. And everyone was high-fiving each other. And then the next week it was 18. And then in, in Phoenix, a month later, two months later, it was 30. Now you're seeing one border crossing, like in Nogales in Arizona, of three, three or 400,000 pills seized almost daily. Um, and, and in the course of a week, they'll seize um, like a million or something like that. I mean, it's just it's a remarkable it, thing. There's it, this enormous rush towards manufacturing. Is this, this too overwhelming? Is, is this too overwhelming for even the federal government to take on? Is does anyone have a desire to do it? Well, I believe it has kind of graduated to that level. I don't think any president uh, in recent years has done much about this, um, and 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 but it has graduated beyond simply like a drug issue the way we've commonly thought about it to something that amounts in my opinion it feels as much as as it feels like a drug issue it feels like a, a national poisoning and that would really rise to another to another level um but again you've seen um both the trump administration and the biden administration essentially do very little about this in part i think because mexico has done a lot to curtail the immigration coming from from Mexico and has done a lot to keep keep migrants from other parts of Latin America in Mexico, that kind of thing. There's all that whole issue that's playing out. But I think this is, is now graduated to a level where where the State Department has to take it up with the Mexican government. And there has to be, a, you know, uh, working on 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 pushing the Mexicans to to deal with the, with the chemicals in their country. And I would say, too, on uh, from our end, on making sure that we are not allowing guns smuggled to be smuggled south into Mexico. Those are the guns, particularly assault weapons, that are, that are really uh, arming those guys, allowing them the impunity that, to, to make those, these drugs in such staggering quantities. All right, Sam, thank you very much for coming on and talking to us again. We appreciate it. And the name My of the, pleasure. Any, anytime, fellas. And the uh, name yeah. of the book is The Least of Us. True Tales of America and Hope 
in the time of fentanyl and meth. John and Ken Show, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. I think all of these idiot politicians in L.A. and California should read Sam's book and understand meth and fentanyl and the homeless. Because, you know, I see Sam's great and he doesn't want to get too political when we talk to him about conservatorship. And what I was going to ask him was, well, they try to tell us, they try to downplay the drug problem with the homeless and say, oh, it's just housing. It's just housing. Now, see, it, it's not. And, and, and that's why it's never going to be fixed uh, with their attitudes. Uh, and I, I tell you, the whole housing thing, that's just a way to enrich their contractor friends. There's no sincerity there because even if housing would solve the problem, there's no there's no possible way to get. The hundreds if people of people have of lost their survival instinct. Housing is not going to make a difference. Right. right. Even if you could do it, it, it would cost hundreds of billions of dollars. There's there's no way to build housing for everybody. And and the thing is, and to me, this is obvious. The drugs are causing brain damage, in some cases, permanent brain damage. And it pisses me off because Garcetti and Newsom both said the same thing. Oh, I just don't accept that they, they don't want help. We have to keep trying. We keep trying. Ed Newsom said that for no, sure. No, bozo. It doesn't matter how many times you go up to them. If the, if the brain cells in that particular part of their brain are damaged and destroyed to the point where they don't have an instinct to live anymore, you could go up every day for the rest of the century. It's not going to make a difference. You talk about following the science. The brain is damaged and destroyed. Like when you have a stroke and you can't talk anymore. And you can't talk anymore because the area of the brain that controls your speech is gone. It's a dead spot now. You can't walk anymore. Same thing. You can't, you know, Alzheimer's patients can't remember things because that area where memory used to be located is gone. There's a hole there. And it's the same thing here with the meth and the fentanyl. It destroys your brain. There's there's nothing you could say to them. They're not processing anymore. All right. Last night during this hour, we talked to Eric Sadal with the Association, LA County Association of Deputy DAs, about the latest directive from George Gascon, which is, I mean, they're all unbelievable. But this one, wow, took us to new heights. I think, as Eric said, this is the woke of the wokest. Um, He handed out a directive trying to deal with people who come before the L.A. County D.A. with a criminal case who face, let's say, immigration issues. Um, basically, the directive t- says to avoid additional immigration impact on all parties, both victims and defendants. But the key word there is defendants. So we might be looking at a circumstance where they don't want to add a special circumstance like the use of a gun because that could bring them to the attention of the feds and they might get deported. So consider that when you're looking at the case and maybe don't charge that, which to me, this is unequal treatment. If you're here legally, a citizen or otherwise a legal immigrant, you won't get that preferential treatment with certain charges against you. You'll, you'll, get, the, you'll get the book thrown at you potentially. So it looks like he went on ABC7 and talked about the policy, responding to the criticism. Let's listen. This is not about a special treatment. To the contrary, this is about equal protection under the law. District Attorney George Gascon speaking with Eyewitness News, defending a new special directive sent Tuesday to all deputy district attorneys, formally updating how the office handles crimes involving immigrants. 
The nine-page memo stating the policy is an attempt to, quote, avoid additional immigration impact on all parties, both victims and defendants. We know that within the, especially within the immigrant community, there's often a reluctance to, uh, you know, come forward and report crimes, both by victims and witnesses, because people are often afraid that reporting a crime may cause, uh, you know, deportation. And for the accused, Gascon says it's all about uniformity across the DA's office and similar treatment and consequences for everyone, regardless of immigration status. What state law says is if you have a, a situation where somebody that is here facing uh, immigration consequences is going to get not only the punishment that would get through state law, the fine and probation, whatever, but in addition to that, they may be deported. And you have a way to avoid that consequence within the law, then you should go in that direction. Deputy District Attorney Jonathan Hatami is one of the people who received Tuesday's memo. He takes issue with what he says is a lack of specificity. The only thing I see that's new and dangerous about it is it applies to all crimes, including serious and violent felonies. It doesn't say anywhere in there it only applies to lower level uh, crimes. Number two, it indicates that you have to consider immigration at the time of filing. That's actually unethical in California. The memo prohibits personnel from sharing information with federal immigration authorities. I think we should take into consideration first public safety, then you take into consideration mitigation. Both men do agree that an important objective in all of this is, when possible, keeping families together. Now, this is how Gascon twisted this into his own version of equal treatment under the law. Well, you know, you have two criminals, one's in the country legally, one's not. They're facing the exact same charges for the crime. Why would I want to add on something that could possibly no. subject them to deportation to the guy that's not here legally? Wow. No, no. He, you know what? He is so full of crap. Well, this he, is no, looking he, at it he, like he, there is no, no such thing as illegal immigration. Well, no, Everybody no. that's here has to be treated the same. No, this is all wrong. Whether it's an illegal alien or American citizen, the state... Gascon is charging them with state crimes. In addition, you report the illegal alien to the feds. The feds handle the federal issue. That's of, right. He, of, but he uh, wants of, to prevent that, right? Well, but that's the thing. It, it, it is. It is. It, he considers that there, additional punishment, which well, is unfair. But there's additional crimes being committed. <laughs> well, yeah, we found out they're in the country okay, illegal. Yes, so that's why the 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 illegal alien would get additional charges against him an additional legal problem because he not only committed the crimes here he broke the law by coming here and the feds deal with that and the feds even at this late date the feds do prioritize deportation for violent criminals which this they is just should an offshoot do. of the sanctuary bills. The, laws, this is because this, those say, well, once they've served their no, time, we're not going to let the feds know who they no, are so they can deport. Them. This is the complete destruction of the justice system. And he's always got some complex reason for it that makes you scratch your head. Go, oh. no, he wants to destroy the system. This is now the next wall being blasted away by the bulldozer, by the wrecking ball. It's like, OK, now, is this going to apply to uh Drug cartel criminals? Well, that's uh, what John uh, and Tommy was bringing up. The, this is going to apply to serious and violent felonies, too? Mexican mafia criminals? Are they, are they, are the organized crime? The, the, the people who are responsible for a lot of the murders in California? Now, they're not going to be deported? 
I, I mean, he, this is insane. Insane. Because when he doesn't apply the gun enhancements, for example, not only does it keep them from getting deported, it keeps them from going to prison for any length of time. That's right. It, it shortens their sentence. So right. you see what it is? What it's, it's, it's all a disguise. It's a disguise for the minimum amount of of jail time, prison time, for the worst criminals who also happen to be here illegally. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. He is so dangerous. Uh, the final call for the voice line for tomorrow is right now. Leave a message using the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or call the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. Tomorrow also will bring us the return of Hack in a Dumpster, a special, special edition. Not Satan's Lake of Fire, but it is a special edition of Hack in a Dumpster, and you'll find out tomorrow during the 5 o'clock hour. Well, I'm saving the best for last, John. Here come, here come the masks. <laughs> They're panicking with headlines. We have entered the high COVID-19 community level in L.A. County. Weep, weep, weep. <laughs> The statistics, you know, when I look at this too, the county is now reporting 14.8 new corona, coronavirus positive hospitalizations a week for every 100,000 people. A rate of 10 or more is considered particularly worrisome. This is all arbitrary. Yeah. But who's, who's, who's worrisome about it? The, uh, <laughs> the guy writing the story? Listen to this. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 6.9% of L.A. County staffed hospital beds are being used by coronavirus-infected patients. 6.9% and we're panicking? And, and what percentage of that are people who came in for something else? And coincidentally, they tested positive. They, they tested kind of positive and out. they may have no or mild symptoms. Uh, that's up 2% from the start of November. Oh, my God, up 2%. Nah. So now they're, uh, they're trying hard to whip it up again. The mask call Barbara Ferrer thinks if this continues, then yeah, come yeah, January yeah. 5th, they will announce indoor masking is back. You know, I don't think anybody's buying because last night um, my wife wanted to go to this uh, art opening. Art opening? At a museum. But you just got yeah. your vaccines. Well, yeah, but I only got them, you know, the day before, so. They wouldn't have kicked in yet. No, I meant uh, but, but, if but, you think this is hype, why are you getting the vaccine? <laughs> oh, just because it's, it's another oh. layer of protection. <laughs> I'm not. I, mask, vaccines are one thing. Masks are absurd. So uh, I go in there, and it's a tight space. Lots of people, probably at least a couple of hundred people. Tough walking around. It's that tight. I don't think I saw more than two masks. And this is this is a younger oh, art crowd, yeah. I was going to say an side. art crowd, yeah. You think you think a year ago it would have been ninety eight percent masks. This two percent, nobody's buying. You want to hear new research? It's the BQ dot one dot one strain, a descendant of BA five, and they're saying that the bivalent shots don't seem to do well against it. <gasps> there you go. It ducks vaccines. See, so they they push. So this week, beginning of the week, I heard a number of stories. They're pushing the vaccines because the percentage is way too low among the population. You got to get the vaccine; it'll help. 
And then a few days later, oh, gee, it doesn't really work on uh, the latest. <laughs> done with all of them. I'm done with them. They don't know what the hell they're doing. By the way, Tim, we just played your promo. Thanks for the visual of you naked in a jacuzzi. You got it, bub. Yeah, that's great. Ooh. Room for room for two more, uh, fellas. That's all right. Sounds like Crozier's interested. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it got him a little excited. I just don't know what goes on here. Well, Crozier is, uh, you know, he's a player. Is he? Is that what the kids say nowadays? Uh, I don't. Okay. I don't talk to kids. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean no, but uh, no. Crozier is a player. Is he? Yeah, yeah. You know, Crozier used to. I uh, he used to wear a, a white mesh shirt and tight white shorts to work. Mm. You know, I've never done that. Have you? I have not. No, I <laughs> no. I don't think I have a white. I think mesh it's safe shirt. to say many of us have not done <laughs> that. <laughs> there was also no demand for it. White mesh shirt. A white mesh shirt, almost like uh, you know, um, like uh-huh. a tennis, like made out of like a tennis net. I see. And uh, white shorts. Uh, I think he had a different life uh-huh. than we did. But man, he he's going for it. I got to give him that. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys don't go for it in life. Uh, Dean Sharp is coming on with us, the house whisperer. That guy's always cool, right? Despite yeah. what you guys think. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> Gustavo will come on. He's uh, we met him at the at the uh, White House, and he came to this uh, to this country only about five or six years ago, and he was living in a shelter. He had a very tough life, and in the shelter when he was fifteen years old, his mother went into labor. They called the paramedics. Paramedics didn't show up, or you know they're running late. And so at fifteen, in a homeless shelter, he was delivering his baby brother from his mother. Oh my gosh! Wow. And I said to him, I said, hey. It was mostly just hand stuff, and you're looking away. Isn't that right? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> also, when it was done, you had to go outside and have a cigarette, right? I just... You're taking a wonderful, dramatic story in. <laughs> you, just, you probably should Milk it for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Look away. Look away. Well, that's, that's got to be an image that uh, gets seared into your A lot mind. of us we're, couldn't handle that. Were, right. were you there for your wife's... Uh, Yes, I was. Earth? Yes, yeah. I, I was. I was stationed up near her uh, noggin, though, not uh, <laughs> south of the boulevard. Wow, <laughs> love the euphemisms. <laughs> All right, Conway coming Ding up. Dog. <laughs> Ding dong. Ding dong. Can't top right. that. I will All say right. one more second. I'm sorry. I will yes. say this, <laughs> and she will hate for me saying this on the air. Well, her father was there with a camera. Is that right? Enough said. Oh, no. <laughs> Destroy that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ding dong. Ding dong. Mark Bronner has the news. Come yeah. on. Let's roll. KFI, KOSD, HD2, Los Angeles, yeah. Orange County, like Closure. everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. <laughs> it's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.